0: Is that the sounds of aliens? That's my best UFO sound I could think to do. Hello, welcome to our podcast, Willing to Conspire. I'm Ben, and I'm Gid, and this is our podcast this week: UFOs. Give us your give us your best UFO noise, Gid. I'm sure that was a pleasant experience for anyone wearing headphones. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure, I'm my sure. sincere apology. <laughs> I'm sure they'll thank you for that. Uh, well, we're back. And we're here to talk about unidentified flying objects. But before we get on to that, I had a thought this week that in our entire six episodes so far of recording podcasts, we have never taken advantage of the bleep effect, insert here, when discussing things. And I think that's mostly because we're such well-mannered, kind boys. Very polite young men. Who never swear or, or use any profanity. But I think it would be a shame to not utilize this... This technology, especially when you stick your up your,
1: and then you smoosh it around, <laughs> and then go on. go on with that, and then you know you right up in there and get in real nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't hear any of that. As I'm sure none of our listeners did. But I think if you also were to think about all of the ways in how the of a is. And how... You can't say
1: that on on. Oh, podcasts. no, I can't say that. I'll, no, I'll we'll lose that our sponsors. Well.
0: Anyway, well, hopefully that was funny. We have no <laughs> idea because we couldn't hear the bleeps. But let's just assume for a second it wasn't funny and uh, do the intro again. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Gib. And this is Willing to Conspire. Thank you for joining us right at the beginning of the podcast. Also, apologies for the long break. Um,
1: some of us, you know, don't really have an interest in recording and, sh- you know, disappear for a couple of weeks at a
0: time. But Yeah, and some of us are just passive-aggressive. <laughs> But yeah, we, we, we don't we don't we don't like to name names on the podcast uh, this week. We are talking about UFOs, unidentified flying objects. And if they have any extraterrestrial links, Gid, tell us about it. So one of
1: the definitions of, of a UFO, well, the conspiracy surrounding UFOs is that there's a deliberate attempt by the government to suppress any information about aliens landing on Earth. So when you talk about the UFO conspiracy theory, it's surrounding the fact that governments might be suppressing information. Okay, now, about
0: these unidentified flying objects. Yes,
1: yes, so alien technology and and diplomacy with with extraterrestrials. Now, I think a lot of scientists aren't averse to the fact that there might be other life forms on other planets. Mhm. But the the actual UFO conspiracy is the fact that we've been visited, right? And it's been suppressed.
0: Yeah, and this is something I think we'll touch on at the end of the podcast as well. But the point you make there about science and just critical thinkers in general being pretty much in agreement about the fact that there is intelligent life out there in the universe, you know, statistically, it would be highly unlikely for there not to be. There's a billion, billion planets in the universe, some estimates have it, that could theoretically support carbon-based life form in, in the form that we have on our planet, and what are the odds that out of that billion, billion planets, we're the only ones that managed to develop intelligent life? Yeah. The, the idea, and that's not even mentioning any other forms of life that maybe aren't carbon-based that we just don't know of or understand yet. Yeah. But the leap of faith that people might say about a conspiracy theory, setting aside everything else, is given how the closest one of those planets is thousands of light years away, how could they possibly get here? And why would they reveal themselves to people? And that's what we'll have a look at. All those different sightings and all of the different theories we'll have a look at in this episode.
1: Sounds good. So, a UFO, um, as defined by the late astronomer Alan Hynek, he defines it as the reported perception of an object or light seen in the sky or upon the land, the appearance, trajectory, and general dynamic and luminescent behavior of which do not suggest a logical, conventional explanation, and which is not only mystifying to the original percipients but remains unidentified after close scrutiny of all available evidence by persons who are technically capable of making common sense identification.
0: Right. And you may not have paid attention to that entire thing, but what's really important to note there, I think, is that there's nothing in there about aliens or extraterrestrials. No. Although, it sort of seems to lend itself to weird and wacky and wonderful things. Yeah. Which is just the start of saying that this is an area of conspiracy and of knowledge which almost by its nature, there's not a lot of information about it. And there's not a lot of ways to verify accounts.
1: And what's also interesting is, sort of, when I was doing some research on this, is just the timing when a lot of these supposed sightings occurred. Mm-hmm. That They all happened very close to one another, or after newspaper reports reporting them. And... Right, or after movie releases yeah. that were heavy on extraterrestrials. Yeah, so it's just... And, you know, there hasn't been a UFO sighting that's been, like you know, taken everyone's attention in in a very long time mm. so it's an interesting co- uh, conspiracy because i think it also goes back to sort of cold war mm. sort of fears of the unknown and all of that so it's, it's an interesting one right it's an interesting one
0: well let's get into some of the most famous cases
1: so sort of the first time that ufos came into the public attention was after austin wells war of the world broadcast
0: this took place... Um, which, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with, there was a movie starring Tom Cruise Yes, um, based on the same fiction literature, yeah. which came out in 2008, and eight seven something like that. Yeah, something like that.
1: Orson Welles wrote a, a play, a radio play, which was a popular form of entertainment at the time, and without warning, on October 30th, 1938, he broadcast this play. So essentially what takes place is he describes an attack that's taking place in New Jersey with weird men with ray guns and there's explosions and and he used sound effects he was very good at what what he did orson wells ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen here i am back of a stone wall that joins mr Wilmer's garden from here i get a sweep of the whole scene i'll give you every detail as long as i can talk and as long as i can see more state police have arrived they're drawing up a cordon in front of the pit wait a minute something's happening hump shape is rising out
2: of the pit and make out a small beam of light against a mirror.
1: What's that? There's a jet of flame springing from the mirror and it leaps right at the advancing men. It strikes them head on. The logs are turning into flames. Now the whole
2: field's
0: caught by the woods of the, the gas tank tanks, and the automobiles are spreading everywhere. It's coming this way now, about 20 yards to
1: my right. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast from Grover's Mill. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. This led to a bit of mass panic. Uh, There was reports of mobs forming in the streets and people locking their doors and even reports of suicide. I don't know if Orson Welles, if he did this on purpose, reported these things. It's sort of controversial whether or not how much public reaction there was. But there was definitely people panicking over what was done because there was no warning. They didn't say this is a play. They sort of were playing the new,
0: playing a a show about dancers or something like that. And then they said, we bring you an emergency message. Yes, yes. Which I guess from their point of view, they say might have been quite an exciting way to have a piece of entertainment. But from the public's point of view, who weren't expecting this and were maybe quite susceptible to any of these kind of crazy ideas, they thought that this is actually happening. And just, just to frame that, he was more or less describing an invasion of aliens. Yeah. Coming from the sky in spaceships and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and having this technology and killing people. Yeah. And- so and and he had you know explosion sounds that he played, and he
1: he acted as like mm-hmm. he was a reporter on the scene, right?
0: And if if you have seen that movie War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise, I, I imagine that's broadly what was being described. Is yeah. Huge all powerful aliens or coming just obliterating cities and populations. There was
1: alleged panic in in certain city centres and in rural areas, people who had weapons were going out on the streets and and I think there was a bit of fuss made about it. Later on when they played the play, it was it was part one of two or three and they they gave warnings next time that this is not (laughs) real. Okay. Uh, In order to avoid avoid this panic. Now, this took place in nineteen thirty eight, towards the end of nineteen thirty eight. We all know that in 1939 World War II broke out. One of the things that I found interesting is UFOs generally started appearing after this and and the reasons reports of, reports of UFOs started appearing after this, and it's attributed to the fact that radar technology started becoming a a, a thing, so we, we had the ability to see what was in the sky, which You know, it's one of the reasons why Britain won the Battle of Britain against the Germans. Initial technology was very primitive and would often ping things incorrectly or minor things or things that weren't even necessarily there. And every time something was pinged, the Air Force would obviously have to send out planes. Mm. So, people started seeing more and more planes out in the sky than they usually would have. Okay. In and,
0: addition to the fact that the military themselves are looking for more things. Yeah. And more conscious of the skies, yes. I so,
1: So, there's an incident in 1942 or 43 in Los Angeles where there was reports of, of Japan bombing LA. But it was, it was just because the, the radar mis- Saw something on the um, whatever it was looking at, and so people in in LA started seeing um, explosions and, and things in the sky that they weren't necessarily used to because they'd been told that it was coming. Or no, they hadn't been warned. The, the military sent out planes yeah. and and were and
0: flares and all these things in the sky, and they misidentified yes. those as bombs from or, or yeah, something.
1: or something in the sky that they weren't aware of. Right. So so you start seeing incidents of people. Being confused as to what 's in the sky now now we get to Roswell, which is arguably one of the more famous UFO cases in in history. This leads us to the incident in Roswell, New Mexico, one of the more famous incidents of UFO sighting on july seventh nineteen forty seven a rancher by the name of W W W. Basil. Brazel. Wait, how many W's? Two W's. <laughs> okay. So four U's altogether. Yeah, but four <laughs> U's, two W's, and a farmer. All right. He he. Um, was a farmer. He had a a ranch in in New Mexico in a town called Roswell, which was home to an Air Force base, which was home to the only nuclear bomb squadron in the world at the time.
0: Oh, uh, so a bomb squad? Yeah, that dealt with nuclear weapons, nuclear bombs. In yeah. terms of uh, this, would have been the squadron that would have done so. Oh, so they're the ones that drop the bombs, not the ones that defuse the bombs. Yes. Okay, Yes.
1: good. This man, this rancher, after a night of storms, he went to go check on his sheep. He walks out on his ranch and he sees some unusual things on the ground. Something has appeared to have crashed onto his property. And he's not sure what it is. He finds rubber, fuel... um, Not fuel, sorry. Rubber, wood, foil some weird metallic thing that it can't describe. Mm -hmm. And it's reported to have been very light, and every time he scrunched it up, it expanded back into its original shape without showing any signs of creasing. Okay. And they weren't sure what it was. So he called the sheriff of the town, and the sheriff came and saw it and, and picked some of it up. And the sheriff, knowing that the Air Force Base was nearby, called in the Air Force Base. The Air Force sent in a gentleman by the name of Major Jesse Marcel, he was an intelligence officer. And he wrote a press release saying that they have found a flying disc on the ground. That was the original report. Mm-hmm. So I've got the original newspaper report, and, and I'm going just, to read that uh, out to you.
0: ruffle those papers around so people know you're not lying. Excellent.
1: This was on the Roswell Daily Record, the paper in the town on July 8, 1947. And it is the Roswell Army Airfield captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region. No details of flying discs are revealed, and then the report starts. So the intelligence office of the 509th Bombardment Group, which is the nuclear group, mm-hmm. at Roswell Army Airfield, announced at noon today that the field has come into possession of a flying saucer. According to information released by the department over authority of Major J.A. Marcel, intelligence officer, the disc was recovered on a ranch in the Roswell vicinity. After unidentified rancher had notified Sheriff Jeff Wilcox here that he had found the instrument on his premises, Major Marcel and a detail from his department went to the ranch and recovered the disc. So, and then it just carries on like this. So this disc was originally reported.
0: And is this, as far as you know, the first time people talk about flying discs? Yes. I think this is
1: the first time that a disc is is mentioned as the shape of a UFO.
0: Because classically, we all know that the UFO conspiracy extraterrestrial thing in the sky is sort of a disc with kind of, I guess, a sphere in the middle, sort of two more bulbous portions on the top and bottom. And I would imagine that that maybe goes back as far as sort of UFOs and aliens does, but you're saying that... Roswell was kind of the start of that.: Yes. OK,
1: because this disc was mentioned. Now, the next day, more army cars are appear to have gone onto the base, and a lot of strange activities starts taking place. They send out another release, and another man came out, who was, his name is General Roger Ramey. He rescinded the first press release and said there was no disc at all, but rather, it was a weather balloon. Classic government. Line. Classic governments. <laughs> I mean, you'd think they'd they you know they'd be a bit smarter about it at yeah. this point. And it was under a special secret at the time project called Project Mogul, and they were testing new sorts of
0: materials. Okay. So 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 this person so the farmer really did see some yeah. sort of kind of new technologically different material. Yeah, something that he was un,
1: unfamiliar with bend and go back into shape and no one was quite sure what this was and this was at a time where America was spending a lot of money on on research and science and things like that so who knows what materials could have been used by the military at the time some other reports at the time mention that a young girl whose dad was a um, fireman she remembers playing with the substance and them hitting the substance with a sledgehammer and it not breaking and her scrumpling it up and These reports are taken along after the fact, though. So, mm-hmm. After
0: this has already appeared in the news. Y- yes.
1: Yep. Yeah. There's also reports of seeing ambulances coming in and picking up two extremely large men-looking things. Uh, this young girl reports saying one looked completely mangled and the other one looking a bit broken. Mm-hmm. And no one was quite sure, sure what happened. So that's basically what happened in Roswell. The government denied, they said it was a weather balloon, and that was never looked into. Okay. But people started questioning what the government's stance was,
0: because they were saying that... On on ETs and UFOs? Yes,
1: because why would this major in the army, who's had years and years of experience, make up a flying
0: disc shape? Why would he do that? Right, because weather balloons are not flying discs. Yes. Okay. So, so why would he... He wouldn't put out a press release... By accident. And so is this why the Roswell incident has gotten so much more attention than other incidents that just talk about, I assume, weird materials and flying discs and stuff? Because seemingly someone in the military, someone in the government has slipped and revealed that the real report or the real form of events actually is not that there's a weather balloon or not something normal. It's that there's some weird flying disc. Yeah.
1: And, And, you know... These people are military experts and they don't make mistakes and they do things properly. And over the years, people started looking into this incident and started interviewing some of the witnesses. The interviews took place 30, 40 years after the fact, which always oh, wow. is, is a bit suspicious in mm. you know, in, in conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. How reliable someone's thoughts down the track and I heard
0: it from so-and-so sort of interview. And this is what I'll talk about later. You know, Even eyewitness reports where the person will swear on their parents' lives or their own lives, that everything they say is completely accurate. Yes. We know all kinds of things about eyewitness testimonies and memory that just leads us to believe these things are notoriously unreliable. Yes.
1: So, so for example, in 1979, um, Jesse Marcel, the, the intelligence officer, reported on it. He was videotaped and said, "'It was not a weather balloon, nor it wasn't an airplane or a missile, as the exotic properties of some of the material would not burn and the stuff weighs nothing. It's so thin it isn't thicker than the tinfoil in a pack of cigarettes.'" So I tried to bend the stuff, it wouldn't bend. We even tried making a dent in it with a 16-pound sledgehammer, and there was still no dent in it. This is his reports, you know, 22-odd t- years. 32-odd mm. years after the fact. And then there was also these reports of bodies. Now, in <laughs> 1995, Fox
0: right, so TV... A full, a full, what, 38 years later? Yeah,
1: Fox right. TV um, had a... 28 years. <laughs> um, special labeled alien autopsy fact or fiction and they had video evidence of these aliens in the ambulance and okay. all that and they had to apologize and say it was a <laughs> hoax and it was well, filmed in 94
0: with actors okay so, so wait wait a hoax by who by fox so fox intentionally yeah. recorded this evidence of people of aliens in an ambulance yep to what end who knows to get news? Advertising? Advertising? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if someone showed... If some r- reliable or big news source, I suppose, told me that they actually have footage of... Reliable footage of aliens, uh, I'd probably tune in.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, uh, oh, wow. so just... That's the it, legacy of... It, it always just... That's the legacy of Donald Trump's favourite <laughs> favorite news organisation. Fake news!
1: <laughs> so, it's just, you know, sort of... Takes away some of the credibility from these reports mm. when you have fake evidence presented and, and evidence sort of picked up after the fact mm. and and it's still roswell is claimed by the people that believe in the in ufo conspiracy as in the government's trying to hide it as sort of the shining light in in the evidence that they have because mm. they, there was as that often happens with any report that facts can change mm. based on new information and they oh well you know they wouldn't make a mistake because they army guys and, and so they, experienced yes and why would they report a disc shape? You know, what's... Just now, all of a sudden, there's no disc shape. Mm. So, on one hand, I think these people are not trying to mislead anyone, the conspiracy Other, the, than, the, the other than the fox guys. Other than the fox guys. I think there's a genuine belief, and, and many people over the years, including physicists, have come out in support of saying, you know, what was the substance, what was there, and and all of that. They genuinely believe in that the government is trying to cover up some sort of report in about 98 the u.s military gave a full report of what actually the weather balloon was and they were testing a new material called thermite not thermite <laughs> um it's used today in like space travel and stuff um it's a very lightweight silver i can't think of its name now that lightweight silver material yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's used for like cladding and stuff on on spaceships okay. and all of that so so this project mogul came out it was just they were testing Things, not necessarily weather balloons. Weather balloons are often given as an excuse when something crashes. And the bodies were test dummies that they were testing what would happen if they were put at a certain height and fell from a certain height. Right. So so there were bodies, but they were just crash test dummies. Okay,
0: which lends itself even more to either saying, oh, how convenient you decided there were crash test dummies or something that someone could actually genuinely, especially at that time, confuse for something truly strange and truly alien. Yeah.
1: Uh, and that right. was, yeah, it was these brand new materials. You know, mm-hmm. NASA was just sort of formulating mm-hmm. and, and all of that. So people had no idea what scientists were capable of, of producing at
0: the time. Right. Roswell is easily the best known, most referred to UFO sighting. There are many others and loads that you can go onto YouTube and watch. Uh, one that really stood out to me was, there's this case in um in 2015 in Southern California of this kind of blue sort of spreading out jets of light flying over for some time uh, through the sky at night, which looked completely bizarre to me. And just from my point of view, at the time of seeing it, I couldn't really think of anything that just came to mind that would really look anything like that, which uh, the next day was explained by the US Navy to have been a missile test that they were conducting um, over the ocean to the side of Of course the government would say California. that a government but of body course would, they would be say sending missiles in the sky But some of the questions that people asked in response to this was especially given how many people were panicked and freaked out by this and eventually sort of flooded emergency services with calls why didn't they warn people before it happened rather than saying after that they'd be doing this test that would look like that and at least from my point of view I have zero experience with knowledge of how missiles look, how they look at night, how different missiles should appear. It looked really weird and I encourage you to go on to YouTube and have a look. Just Google in, I guess, South California UFO two thousand fifteen and you should find it. And, and and that also just goes back to
1: generally if you look when UFO sightings occurred, it happened to be in the fifties and sixties when a lot of these sorts of tests were were being done. It was nuclear tests happening regularly in the in the desert, which you would have would have had lots of unexplained lights and
0: the government wouldn't have told people about it because it was super secret. Hmm. Well, let's go into what the government and what uh, scientific organizations in general uh, like to say about what UFOs really are or what people who see flying objects and are unable to identify them, what they are most of the time. The first sort of case of cataloguing this was Project Blue Book, a special report number 14. Uh, which was a massive statistical study by the Battelle Memorial Institute, uh, which they did for the U.S. Air Force, covering 3,200 cases between the years 1952 and 54. At the time, they decided that 22% of reports were true, unidentified flying objects. And that doesn't mean that they're extraterrestrials, but it just means that based on reports, been identified. They, they couldn't think of any better explanation or any normal explanation for what it might have been. Uh, 69% of them were identified as IFOs, so identified flying objects, and 9% were accompanied by insufficient information. And there have been a number of other studies over the years in in France and in the States and in in the UK that all conclude that a non-insignificant percentage of UFOs have no clear good explanation. But some of the common causes of misidentification of things that people think are alien spaceships is the planet Venus, which is the brightest object in the sky other than can you think of what three things might be brighter? Sun. One. Moon. Yep. Your eyes. They are so (laughs) bright. Kid, I'm almost tempted to give it to you. Uh, close, it's the International Space Station. Ah, very yep. nice. Meteors, which will usually appear as long-lasting fireballs that will leave a trail in the sky, which the one in California that I just mentioned before kind of looked like that, but wasn't the explanation given. Weather balloons, of course. Normal aircraft, satellites, any other man-made objects. And there's a particularly weird-looking cloud called a lenticular cloud, which, Google it, can really look like flying discs, the classic image of that UFO. And then moving on from actual things to more misperceptions, so people have, either for their own reasons or for some sort of environmental effects, their perception has been altered. Air turbulence can distort light in the sky, making celestial bodies seem to move around. There's something called the autokinetic effect, which... Uh, which, after you've stared at a star-like light against a black background, uh, can cause small involuntary eye movements, uh, which can also make those objects appear to be moving very quickly. And there's something called Feta Morgana, which, forget what it is, is just a, one of the best names of anything I've ever heard. Um, but it's a <laughs> Sounds like a Star Wars character. <laughs> yeah. <yes. laughs> Feta
1: Morgana, you Morgana. come to the council.
0: <laughs> you, I, I, I mean, I think I've already... I, I don't have any plans in the near future to have kids but that's definitely in the top five names. I think you should clear that one up first with your partner. We'll see. So it's a type of mirage which you can see just over the horizon which again google it Feta Morgana which looks like there's some sort of object hovering just over the horizon though. So there are all kinds of things but having said that when people do these studies those are the kind of things that they look to say, no, this is a likely explanation. And a lot of the time, like we heard in that first study, 22% of the time they decide none of these things actually fit the report of what's been going on. But that could just be, you know, someone inaccurately seeing something or giving out the wrong information intentionally or accidentally or... Yeah, I I think depending on the study, some of those things are factored in as well. So they might say the report is just not a reliable enough report. I I think just a significant portion of the time... A lot of these scientific organizations are happy to say with reports that seem reliable, they're happy to say we just don't have an explanation for that. But as is a really important theme throughout scientific inquiry and throughout just the pursuit of knowledge in general is just because you don't know something, that doesn't mean something alien or something spiritual or something supernatural has to fill the gap. We don't know, I don't know is a perfectly okay answer, and it's something that we should all be really okay with saying. Yeah. Science is what it is because we can sometimes say we just
1: don't have an answer, and we better our knowledge about pursuing what the answer is,
0: rather than defaulting to, well, the scientists don't know, so therefore it must be aliens. Exactly. Often the first step in good science is saying, we don't know, let's try and find out. Yeah. Okay, so there are a number of groups and organizations around the world that are dedicated to UFOs. The first one that I just I just kind of had a look to see if there's any that are close to home for us. We both live in Melbourne, Australia, and lo and behold, there was an organization called the Melbourne UFO Meetup Group. Sound like we've probably got yeah, and, and they this is a group that gets together to watch documentaries, discuss famous UFO cases, and share ideas. And when I was first reading their descriptions, I was kind of thinking they sound like a pretty reasonable group. Uh, one of the things they were saying is, energy engineers, inventors, and or scientists are welcome if they have an open mind and inclination to spiritual awakening and evolution. And that's kind of... I was thinking, mm, interesting that you added spiritual awakening and evolution there. It was sort of an odd combination. And then a bit further down the page it added star seeds indigo children crystal rainbow light workers intuitives and empaths are welcome as we will have sessions to help you so they so this is where i come into one of my main criticisms of at least at the very least a significant portion of people that seemingly are on board with saying that there are uh, unidentified flying objects that are actually aliens that are trying to contact us and maybe abducting us is that there's seemingly this huge disparity of belief between UFO believers or UFO conspiracy theories.
1: So they're not, they're not there for sort of scientific evidence or, or looking for a truth. They're very sort of. It, it sort of goes beyond rational thinking, which UFOs can sort of fit in the realm, and we discussed at the beginning. UFOs can fit in the realm of rational thought, but it's when it becomes this weird sort of
0: yeah, spiritual
1: sort of side of things that it goes off the rails somewhat.
0: And and this is where I think the leaders of these organizations are in a bit of a bind. So you do read a lot of these websites and organizations, and often the people who run the movements and make the websites seem to be mostly people who genuinely believe in UFOs. Uh, and I'm just frustrated that the scientific community is not examining the evidence critically. They they present themselves as being sceptical and scientific, and they often openly admit that the majority of UFO sightings and encounters aren't real or are hoaxes. But a significant portion of people who believe in this are people with these kookier ideas that will talk about things like indigo children and lightworkers <laughs> and empaths. And... I think they Google are, them. We're not yeah, g- yeah. But but given uh, each of those could be their own <laughs> podcast I assume. But they're they're in a bind because given that they're already a fringe movement, they don't want to try and alienate the majority of the people. Alienate. Oh no. <laughs> 10 points to Gryffindor. <laughs> they don't want to alienate such a big portion of their group who are seemingly helping them in their efforts by sort of dismissing them and saying that they're crazy. What often happens with a lot of these fringe groups is you get further splitting because no one can even agree on the basics of what they're saying is going on. Yeah. Okay, so maybe we'll talk about general criticisms or problems with the movement in general. Maybe we start with, I don't know how many videos you watched of UFO sightings, but what do you think of... (laughs) They, they the fall reports. into the
1: realm of, I believe this and I'll look for everything that proves my point of view without looking at the other side and inconsistencies in their research or ignoring logical alternatives or focusing on the people that are going to say, yes, I believe in it without necessarily looking at another side of, of the argument, which I think is, is similar to sort of 9-11 truthers. In, in the sense that there's no admitting that the other side might have some sort of legitimacy. It's let's just, just dismiss this all and just focus on our point
0: of view. I think maybe I have I have a bit more sympathy for this movement and for UFO oh, believers than I have for most most conspiracies. hundred percent. Because you do you do see these you do see a lot of videos online of these sightings that are these genuinely weird things and things that come into the news that you know multiple people see. You see like lights dancing around the sky that don't necessarily fit any of the things that I that I listed earlier. You see that one in Southern California, which was some kind of weird blue light, which I assume thousands of people saw. But the question is, we see all of these things that look weird. And if there are so many, so much contact with, with aliens trying to see us, well, why has there not been any conclusive evidence of something that we can just Undeniably point to and say that that is some sort of alien technology. There's there's all these memes around saying it's like oh you've seen a UFO. Let me grab the shittiest camera that I can possibly <laughs> find and, and take a shaky video of it because to be honest that's usually the best you get. Yeah, and, and um, in
1: in, a, in an age where seriously everyone's got a pretty decent camera in their pocket yeah. at all times.
0: Yeah, so so forty years ago, thirty years ago, maybe even twenty years ago, this credit the criticism I just made isn't really legitimate yeah. because the vast majority of people only have access to pretty primitive cameras and that you
1: wouldn't necessarily have on you so you'd rush it out right. or, or, or miss it and but it's,
0: shaky footage yeah but we've been 10 years now more or less with a significant portion of the population having smartphones and having relatively decent cameras and we still have not gotten anything resembling clear evidence of, yeah of a ufo and, you know, anything that happens nowadays, there's thousands of videos
1: of it on, on YouTube within seconds of it taking place. Yeah. You know, the government can't suppress millions of people. You know, if one or two people had a genuine thing, then, yeah, the government could definitely, in their interest, silence those people. It mm. wouldn't be, you know, the most ludicrous sort of idea. But if a UFO popped out over Melbourne... It's a population of
0: three and a half million people. I'd say of which eighty percent, if not more, have iPhones. Well, well, this is this is an interesting point on Melbourne. Is that I did see one video of someone was getting like a sky shot of the city of Melbourne. It was sort of a flyover, and you can see off to the side of the image. There seems to be some pretty huge object flying over the city of Melbourne. Which the the video is questioning: Is this an unidentified flying object? Is this some sort of artifact on the camera? The point being, though, if it was a UFO. There should have been hundreds, thousands of people on the ground corroborating that and pointing up to the sky and 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 seeing it. if not
1: video recording it, at least, you know, Hmm.
0: coming out and telling their friends or Hmm. contacting the news or... So shifting away from video evidence, I said earlier we talk about eyewitness reports, which are notoriously unreliable. And I think most people have an instinct of this, but I don't think people necessarily have such a good idea of how unreliable eyewitness reports are. Can be. I read one article called "Why Science Tells Us Not to Rely on Eyewitness Accounts." This was in Scientific American, uh, and they talked about something called the Innocence Project, which you may have heard of. is an organization in the states that uses DNA testing to exonerate those who have been wrongfully convicted of crimes. And of the 239 convictions that they have overturned through DNA testing, 73% of those were based on eyewitness accounts. And one wow. third of those relied on testimony of two or more mistaken witnesses. There's all kind of selection biases there. But just as an example, this, these are people that have been sentenced to life in prison. It's, or, 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 or significant yeah. portions of time in prison based on eyewitness reports, which historically we've relied upon. And it's just not that reliable. And no. part of the reason for that is that the way we tend to think about memory is not the way we actually remember things. Memories are more reconstructed in our brains rather than recall, and a good analogy I read about that is that it's more akin to putting puzzle pieces together than retrieving a video recording and watching that. And we can demonstrate this in that researchers are even able to create false memories in normal individuals in the right situations. And When you're reconstructing memories from sort of bits and pieces of evidence in your own brains, rather than really pressing play on a recording, there's much more of an opportunity for extra biases, extra influences to get in there. Maybe the way that a lawyer asks you a question, or the news reporter asks you about what you saw in the sky, or maybe you thought you saw a UFO seven days ago, then you three days later heard someone else talking about it, and then by the time it's today and you're talking about your memory of the event, those two things have been completely fused together without you even being aware of the fact because our memories are flawed. That's fascinating. I find that really interesting, but also sort of a confirmation
1: bias. If you see something in the sky and you're prone to believing in aliens or UFOs, your first thought is not, oh, that might be a plane or, oh, that might be a satellite
0: or, oh, that might just be... Thousand other things that are more reasonable. Exactly. And this brings me to one of the most astounding cases of people testifying that something happened that they saw with their own eyes that clearly didn't happen. I don't know if you've heard of this. Something called the Miracle of the Sun, which happened on the 13th of October in 1917, where... There was a large crowd of people, I think maybe thousands of people, thought, yeah. uh, near the town of Fatima in Portugal, who supposedly all testified that they saw the sun fall from the sky, some combination of they saw it fall from the sky, they saw it zigzag through the sky, dance amid multicolor lights, and this was a miracle that, based on the testimonies of people there, was acknowledged by the Catholic Church, I think the Pope at the time acknowledged that this was a true miracle. And this was seen by believers as the fulfillment of a promise made by Mary, Mary, mother of Jesus, that she said she would show people miracles. And this comes to the point you were saying before, that if people are ready to see that, uh, if they have been prepared to see those kind of things, disposed to it, they're much more likely to see them, regardless of whether they actually happen. But we can all agree that the sun didn't fall from the sky, or it didn't dance through the sky if it had. I think a few billion other people might have noticed and we also know that the sun just doesn't do things like that. <laughs> Consistently has it. I don't think it's mm. about to start. Um, one one last thing that I wanted to talk and just in my assessment, and one of the reasons I do have a bit more, like I said, sympathy for this theory is that I know we talked about earlier that scientists are pretty much in agreement that there is definitely uh, intelligent life out there somewhere. But there are even serious scientists who say that we actually can't rule out the idea that some of these UFOs are actually extraterrestrial life coming to visit us. Uh, One case in particular is Dr. Michio Kaku, you might have heard of, but he's a very well-regarded physicist. He's holder of the Henry Samet Chair and Professorship in Physics, and he says that it is theoretically possible to travel the necessary distances required of UFOs using wormholes. Wormholes is something that's theoretical, I don't think we have any evidence of those so far, but if there are alien life forms that are billions of years more sophisticated than us, which I think we assume there are these life forms, it's very possible that they might have created wormhole-capable craft. And he says, you simply cannot dismiss the possibility that some of these sightings are some object created by an advanced civilization. I'm
1: not one to deny the existence of aliens, so I don't disagree with any of that stuff, and I don't have the, the scientific background to disagree, and I do sort of Feel that there might be aliens out there. But it just goes back to sort of the people surrounding the conspiracy don't necessarily go about it in a way that gives themselves some sort of legitimacy and, you know, any sort of reason to for us to believe what they're saying.
0: Yeah, and the group as a whole is... I think 95 to 98% of it is pure noise and garbage. Yeah. You talk about a lot of these cases, people talking about themselves, the number of stories of people being abducted and probed and all that kind of stuff is...
1: Ovaries <laughs> and sperm removed
0: from their bodies.
1: And, and these the same stories. That happen, whenever you read a story of an yeah. abduction, it's the same story.
0: And this is a big part of the UFO movement. But unlike maybe some of the other theories where the base assumption of either... Uh, extreme menace on the part of governments or of huge conspiracy theories, you don't necessarily have to take that jump with this one because the base question of have UFOs visited us, is it possible, is, you know, one that we can't just dismiss. No. Um,
1: But, you know, going back to the definition of the conspiracy of the government covering up alien technology plus the fact that aliens have visited us, that I don't necessarily hold by. I don't hold by the fact that the government... Could hide something like that from us,
0: right? And I have the same the same criticisms of the government cover up part of this that I've had for pretty much every other conspiracy we've covered so far, being that you know the number of people have to be involved, uh, the motivation to cover it up, it all just often implies a lot more competency on the part of the government and the military uh, than I think they truly have. Yeah, cool. Any more notes on UFOs?
1: No, I don't believe in the conspiracy theory. I probably believe in aliens to some extent. I suppose it's a bit more of a tricky sort of line with this one but the actual conspiracy as ufos existing and being covered up by the government i'd say not in my opinion
0: aliens existing probably might, yeah. all right i think that's a good place to tie that bit up uh to infinity and beyond
1: Look, up in the sky it's a bird it's a plane it's a bird it's a plane it's
2: a bird it's a plane it's
0: Gid Yes Let me take you back to the 80s and 90s And we're going to play a bit of a game I'm going to play you a bit of a mishmash of a bunch of sounds I think there's five different things there And I want you to try and tell me where as many of those sounds are from as possible I'll try my best Okay
1: So there was the Tetris theme, correct? No Mario. Mario. Uh,
0: wait, wait, no, 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 Mario. No, no,
1: wrong. Mario dying? Wasn't that at the end there? Mm-mm.
0: Someone That's... else dying. That was Lost... that one. I'll tell you. That one was Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Yeah.
1: Pac-Man. That's close but no cigar. I'm irritated by the fact that I didn't get that. <laughs> a fax machine. Mm, one of those dot printers. Dot printers. Yeah, yeah. Dot yeah. Printers,
0: uh, I'll, I'll give that to you. Mm. Get half. Of
1: it. Was it a Windows te- booting up? Yep. Which which operating system? 98, close. 95, five, five. 95. Um, email a uh, Nokia ringtone, Nokia classic ringtone. Nokia ringtone. Correct. I remember when I was young, standing in the queue at the ATM with my mother. There must have been eight people in the queue or something, and someone's phone ringing, and every single person in the queue <laughs> <laughs> taking, out taking their phone. the phone. Classic. So it's, it's such a clear memory yeah. in my head.
0: Um, One more.
1: Hotmail opening up or an email coming through. There was a
0: sequence of sounds there, yeah. of like different notifications. Yeah, now, It's kind of the same MSN message. MSN messenger. Messenger. Did, did you use that in your... Yeah, yeah, yeah South I, did, I did. I did. Yeah, so, I mean,
1: we, had, we had internet in South Africa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just. Um, right. So those are all pretty iconic, especially by people of our age and maybe a bit older than us, you know, renowned sounds, some of them more universally than others. But the next sound I'm going to play, I think, trumps all of those uh, and is better than, known than any of them.
2: Boop boop boop!
1: That was a sound of a modem, yep. of a dial-up modem, which you would need to shout out to the whole house saying,
0: "I'm going to use the internet. No one answer the phone. No one go on the phone." And and you can't and you can't you couldn't be on the internet while someone nah. could also make a phone call. You had to choose, didn't you? <laughs> Other than that being potentially the worst sound that anyone's ever heard, it is extremely well known, and in the early days of people signing up on the internet was just how it was. But do you have any idea what the sound is? I have no idea. So most people don't. And I'm, I'm going to give you what the mainstream explanation of that is. And try and stay with me here. So apparently it's a digital handshake between two modems. So I'll just go through in a sequence. Wait,
1: digital things don't have hands. <laughs> you're, <laughs> onto, you're onto something.
0: Something else completely, but it's something. Uh, so the first bit is the modem dial tone, okay, followed by a 12-digit number then there's four beeps from the modem on the other end of the line trying to initiate a modem protocol standard, which enables the sending and receiving modems to talk in a language they can understand. This is then followed by the frequency shift keying, which enables data transfer. The receiving modem then emits a high-pitched tone, disabling echo suppression to prevent corruption of data. The two modems then simultaneously list all of their standards and types of connection to the public switch telephone network. This is followed by the probing segment, which is carrier waves from both modems, where both modems try to settle on a carrier frequency and define the modulation rate. Then finally, we have the full duplex transmission mode, which is the digital impairment learning sequence, which says that the data can be communicated between the two modems. Is the
1: reason why you explained all of that? Because I knew it before you even said it, and I think most of our listeners would know it as well. So it's like telling me that fish live in the water and cows eat grass. Like,
0: it- well, other than you, and apparently most of our listeners, I would imagine the vast majority of the population would find that explanation completely nonsensical, <laughs> myself included, to the point... I understand that there are areas of knowledge that are difficult for your average person to understand, even at the most simplified level. It's, it's just the nature of some areas of knowledge. But the explanations I heard for what's going on with that dial tone were the most blatant displays of incomprehensible, nonsensical jargon I That's have ever complete heard. Complete garbage. <laughs> and, and, and this is what I'm saying. I think it's because it is complete garbage. This is not some explanation. But even if I'm wrong, and the explanations that people are giving actually make complete sense, and I'm just a complete dum-dum. Why on earth did we have to listen to the modems communicating with each other? You know, machines communicate with each other all the time with their machine language, but in every other case, we get to remain completely ignorant of that. You know, when when my phone connects to the Bluetooth in my car speakers, uh, I don't have to hear about that, or I don't have to read the endless pages of zeros and ones that allow me to watch Game of Thrones. So, what's going on here? The truth is that this sound is an unexpected accident that we were almost certainly not supposed to hear. This is a really weird sound. It's very peculiar. Yeah.
1: And distinct.
0: And, and distinct. And, 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 and kind of consistent. and There's something foreign about this sound, something otherworldly, something alien, <laughs> question mark. <laughs> but, but hold off on that for a second. So who invented the internet? The government, mainstream media, and corporate fat cats would have you believe <laughs> that the internet was invented by a bunch of nerds in a lab. But are we really supposed to buy that something as mind-boggling and game-changing as the internet could have been made by us people? I mean, this is one of the most fantastic, if not the most fantastic, it's the fire invention ever. of the modern yeah, age. Yeah, I, I would argue it's as important as fire. But clearly, we don't have the capabilities to invent something like the internet. It's aliens. <laughs> and and what that leads me to le- believe with how weird this message is, how ridiculous the explanations are, and how the internet was clearly invented by aliens, is that this dial-up tone was a message from extraterrestrials that they had watermarked onto their patented internet technology, which only through years of use did the government eventually manage to squash. Now, the obvious question after that is, what's the message? What are they trying to get across? Now, luckily... I know a pretty smart guy who works in Silicon Valley and uh, he was able to have a look at the tone for me and, and process it. Uh, I'm not one to drop names, but I will tell you that it would be very unsafe to assume that it's not Elon Musk. <laughs> so this person has processed the audio. Don't ask me how. Something about inverse sinusoidals and Megatron compression and uh, other words I made up. Uh, but the true message... Hyperloops. behind Hyperlinks, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the true message behind the dial-up tone is... Has been revealed to me, and it's staggering. And well, I'll just I'll show it to you now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. What a way to end that off! I think we've uh, both answered the question of of the the origin of the internet and who invented the Rickroll, and I'm I'm pretty satisfied with that. I will not be asking any further questions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm convinced now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's undeniable. Well, that was fun. Um, Thank you for joining us once again at Willing to Conspire.
1: Hopefully, we'll be back sooner than mm-hmm. the break we've taken this um
0: yeah you may have noticed we didn't have any sponsors this week that's mostly on us for not organizing one there's been plenty of offers from uh places both high and low mostly low none of them high but um didn't Elon, when he helped you with that didn't he offer no hey? well he thought it would um and i'm not saying it was him but he thought it would maybe make our relationship uh, less of a yeah, friend's yeah, yeah. one and yes. more of a business you don't yep. mix business and pleasure it, it was a whole thing <laughs> But uh, if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast in the future, getting your message out or that of your small business, uh, get in contact with us. You can find us on our Facebook page, which is Willing to Conspire. You can find us in our Gmail account, which is willingtoconspire at gmail.com. I believe we still have a Twitter account.
1: Yep, we do, which is at Willing Conspire.
0: Nice and uh of course as always you can find us uh, the podcast on itunes and soundcloud uh make sure you go on itunes uh, if you're listening to it there and give us a five star rating or alternatively no nope, just a five star rating that'll do uh really <laughs> helps the podcast get uh, the word out there tell your friends and family yep uh force them to listen to it whatever you need to do thanks again for joining us uh this has been a pleasure see you guys see-